Emily, did you see my AI generated photos? I did. They were wow. Let's, let's talk. I want you to really like gut reaction. Talk me through either individually the ones you remember or just the overall vibe of them. Um, like what emotions did you have? Immediately, the one with the neck tattoos. I was like, wow. Okay. I feel like that was maybe your favorite though. I feel like you were like, I could be that cool. I want a neck tattoo so bad. We never talked about this. No. Like I so bad. When you have a draft neck like me. It's just a canvas waiting to be painted, and I want to cover it in a tattoo. So Are you going to do it? No. Annie would divorce me. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to be really real. I was like, it was kind of a lot and not super your vibe, but I also like saw that AI photo, and I was like, Danny could pull it off. Yeah. Here's my overall thought on all of it. It's like everything <laughs> everything looked – and it's like this weird, like it looks enough like you, where it's like, oh, I kind of get it, but it's like it's not you. Right. And that's what I thought was so funny about it. Like uh-huh. I was – I had probably like – a dozen pictures of them and I'm going through them with the kids Yeah, and I'm like who and they're like I think that's you <laughs> and which I think is the most because kids aren't going to BS you right and right. like they don't see like I look at it, it's like everything about that's like the more polished or like contoured version of me it's like mm-hmm. everything is like very bright or tanned or whatever right? yes. and so but I just thought it was funny the kids were like uh, that does look like you and I have a bunch of ones of Annie that she like thought were the funniest things of all time <laughs> it was the funniest app I've ever found and now there's probably some fake AI avatar of me floating around that's like living my life I so I tried to do it myself but now there's not like a three free day trial did you do like a three yeah. free day so now they just got rid of the trial so you have to pay ten dollars and I was like it's not worth it to oh me. yeah I would have only I only did it for the trial <laughs> yeah for sure and I didn't even keep I did one day's worth and I was like I'll forget to delete this and delete it after I'm I got the same pictures. way yeah um, okay, so we just wrapped up an episode. Yeah, we did. We're diving in, and we decided we're going to do a little bit of like a, a mailbag one. We got three. Mailbag. You said we have three-ish questions, maybe more if we keep going. But yeah. we have at least three. Mm-hmm, yeah. And like I said, Can people... Can you please been... do the email corner thing, even though... Email corner. Thank you. The whole mailbag. <laughs> All right. Edition. Take us in. Okay. We're just like going right in. Well, whatever you want to say beforehand, too, if you want to. I don't really have anything to say, so I don't know why... I... Um, fought you on that. Okay. <laughs> this is why we should listen to men. I'll say amen to that. Um, okay. <laughs> um, okay. I want to start with this one. This one says, how do you determine the existence of God and how important is that in your journey? Oh. Which I thought was like, whoa. Yeah. So there's two questions in there, obviously. Yeah. I'll start with the important. For me, like God is very important because God is like central to the actions and the morals and the philosophy and the ethics of my life. And so yeah. like, for me, it's like very important. Um, the second question is much more complicated. Uh, like, how do you determine who that? Like, how do you determine if there is a God? Was yeah. The question. Well, that was the first question, but yeah. 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 The second, the first part, the second one I'm addressing. Um. I mean, the Bible has to be like, I mean, that's our source of a lot of information, right? And so like for Christians, that is our sacred text. So like for Christians, I would be like, we dive into that. But also it's like, I look around and I'm of the mind that it's like the world is too beautiful and too ordered to like not have some higher power that has sculpted it, crafted it, and is guiding it, right? And so I think... Um, from like a optics level, like looking around and seeing the stars and the the sky and the the mountains, like that points to God for me. I think scripture points to that. I also think like my natural 
you talked last episode about your gut guiding you. Like I think like that our internal ethics and yeah. that kind of thing and our gut feelings, what is right, what is wrong. Like unless you're like a full blown sociopath, like we all have a kind of like guiding idea of like morality, mm-hmm. even if we try to split hairs. And so for me, like a lot of that points to like if I was going to make the decision to be like, is there, isn't there a God? We're all, both are going out on faith, right? Yeah. And for me, I'm not going out on faith because like, well, I'd rather not, I'd rather bet on the one that's going to have me land in heaven. Like that's not what's guiding mm. it for me. It's like, it just seems from what scripture points to and what I see around me, like, like a truly like logical, like there'd be people like that's not a logical decision. It seems very logical to me to land. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think like, I think how do you determine the existence of God? I immediately went to like apologetics, right? Which is, I could take you through like, you know, the cosmological, the teleological, like you could like go down through the arguments and be like, and this shows that God is real. But I think what you're saying, I think part of it is a gut thing. And I even agree. I was listening to something today. I was listening to Bingetopia, which I mentioned Mm -hmm. a little bit ago. Um, I just absolutely love that podcast. Um, And Eliza and Julia, the hosts, were just talking about like things they don't understand. And one of the things they said is they were like, it's kind of wild to us that there's like just enough pressure that we don't like explode. And if the sun moved like two inches or something, like we would all burn up. And I was surprised that this was my first thought, but I was like, yeah, to me, like that's, that's how I like know that there's something holding it together because that just feels a little too crazy to be random. Um, But also I would say like, like I think God is, it's also like, what do you mean by God? I feel like, which is very big. And I think, I think my mind has shifted on that a lot and is still shifting. Mm. But I believe that like, I believe that there's some sort of higher power, but I think it's way bigger and more expansive and nuanced than we could ever even like begin to discuss. Yeah. That's interesting. I was, so I can't remember. I think he's an Australian guy. He might be the creation museum dude. Um, Ken Ham. Is that his name? Uh, I don't know who you're talking So if it's not him, I'm sorry that I just threw someone else's name into this person. John Hamm. John Hamm. John Hamm. He went different. to Mizzou. Very different guy, but a Mizzou alum. M-I-Z, baby. Uh, so this guy, like, I don't know if it's his TikTok. Uh, Mizzou's getting a lot of love on the pod the last no. two episodes. Um, he is like an apologist, kind of like. So he goes out and, like, okay. finds people on the beach. And he's like, if you die today, what would you go? And, like, talks them through all these things. I know what I'm watching tonight. Yeah. Um, I'll send you the video I saw yeah. if I can find it again. Um, cause I didn't save it or anything, but I thought it was really, really interesting. He's like talking to this guy, like this whole thing. He's like not religious. He's like, if you died today, like, where would you go? And it's like, if you were, he's like, I'm a good person, but yeah, I've done all these things you're calling sin. And it's like, wouldn't God hold those things for me? And it's like, well, you for in the court of law, like, would the judge be like, well, you did all these good things. So murder doesn't matter anymore. It's like, you're being judged on what you did wrong. Not what you did right. Mm. And I only say all that to be like, I think apologetics when I listen to it in it's free form is the outsider. It seems so manipulative to me, which is not at all what that question was about. But like trying, like it seems like you're trying to just like find the gotcha moment and what the other person's For saying. Sure. And there's a lot of it like I dig and I like and I can vibe with and agree. But like listening, to, I watched the video like three times because I'm like, you never were really listening to this guy. Mm. You were trying to get to the next thing. Mm. Um, which I'm sorry, I don't even know why I'm diving into this. It has nothing to do with what you're talking about. No, I'm about with me, you but though. It's just it's such an interesting thing. When we think about like, oh, I know why, because you're talking about apologetics being kind of like part of this thing. Yeah. Um, How do we determine the existence yeah. of God? And like, I think apologetics can help. There's another guy who like goes, he's like really aggressive. He goes to like college campuses, secular universities, as they've been named mm-hmm. in a previous episode. And he like has these like open forum debates, which I think are really interesting. 
But again, he's like, and he does a better job listening, I think, to a mm-hmm. lot of people. But it's always like, I at least feel like I have a pretty good radar for like, that was a preloaded response that you like had the note card and response A is said, I give like response B back, you know? Well, when I learned apologetics in school, we had to learn how to listen well so that we could like restate their argument back to them uh-huh. to show that we listened so that then we could destroy it. Right. This is kind of what I, yeah. Yeah. So there's like, it's like listening to make their worldview crumble. Right. But it's also, it's like reiterating. It's like you're listening to reiterate what you said to push to the like preloaded point that you already had. For sure. Um, And pushing it to, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's. And I am not anti-apologetics. We are all apologists for something. 100%. And um, that's why you make friends. And a good apologist is deeply committed and very compelling in what they they have but i like listen to it sometimes and i'm like i want so badly to be like that's you just helped lead this guy to jesus but i'm also like i feel like you manipulated him to make him feel bad so that he then said yes to it and that doesn't feel compelling to me and so i think like like to prove the existence of god which is what that video i think was trying to do i was like that didn't really prove anything other than like making this guy feel kind of shitty and be like well i'd rather just choose your option just in case that doesn't seem compelling right and maybe there's also cameras around, and I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. I agree with you. Like, yeah. get out of my face. And this guy handled it better than most, actually. Like, he, like, never, like, really backed, which I was interested, intrigued by why they posted it. Because mm. it wasn't, like, a lot of them are, like, slam dunks. Like, the other guy's, like, crying and, like, I need Jesus. And this guy is kind of like, I mean, I like, I liked what you had to say, and I hope you agreed with me because I felt like I was pretty smart. And I was like, I think this I guy, like, that. never backed down. I heard a quote one time that said, if you're gonna, if you're going to rip off someone's roof, it's your responsibility to make sure they don't get rained on saying like if you're gonna go and just like crumble people's worldviews then like you have to offer them something better which i think is interesting and i like the idea of like responsibility but i think if that's how we view apologetics we've missed the point i think we've made it a lot more about how can we dismantle other people's thoughts instead of just being like here is why i'm convinced and even you just said like we're all apologists for something I Yeah, we're not all good apologists. Well, but also, like, I love Chipotle. Chipotle is my life! But I've never been like, whatever your favorite restaurant is, is terrible, and here's why. Now you have to love Chipotle. That doesn't get my point across. Yeah. I also think the the roof analogy is really, really interesting, because I think all of us, like, I think atheists, right, like, that are, like, have their Christian friends. You Mm -hmm. talked about your boyfriend and, like, not talking about his religion in in theater world. Yeah. Music world, whatever, theater world. Like, part of it was because he didn't want them to try to rip his roof off, which, like, maybe Mm. people would do. But, and then hyper-conservative Christians might do the same thing. One thing we're not always good at is providing a new roof. We're like, my job is just to tell you your roof sucks. And then I'm just getting rained on in my house, right? Like, it's like, give you should, I would argue you probably shouldn't be in that conversation unless you have something, maybe not more compelling, but at least something to offer them in return after you're trying to deconstruct and rip their roof off for them. I'm 100% with you, but I think what I'm trying to say is, like, why are we ripping roofs? Like, yeah. how is that compelling to anyone? Okay, now they're now rain is in their house. Yeah. And the, now you've made them desperate, and that's manipulative. Right, yeah, yeah. And I do, yeah, I think that's where the analogy shifts. Because it's like, yeah. like I said in the last episode, it's like, I think, like, Jesus really matters to me, right? So, like, I would want Jesus to matter to other people. Mm-hmm. But if the way I'm going about sharing that is, like, ripping everything off for you, that's probably not the most compelling way to go about it, right? Right, and... I feel like people wouldn't really want to be your friend. Yeah. Like, it's kind of a one-time conversation. Like, that guy, think about it. Like, that guy isn't Ken Ham or whatever, isn't going around and, like, creating relationships. Right. 
um no yeah playing the long game some would say some but would like... say the long game <laughs> i would say i have a hard enough time making friends so if i'm going on ripping roofs off i'm getting no friends in the long <laughs> um but i think i also i guess i want to answer for myself like how important is that in your journey which i think is a mm-hmm. really good question yeah and I think one that I don't have a fully formed answer and I'm trying to just like be okay with that, that I don't have a fully formed answer, but I think like, I, like you don't know how important it is to you. Like you couldn't quantify that right now. Kind of. Okay. Like I think, I feel like in different stages, it's been different levels of importance. And I feel like when I was in a place where I was like really just like sick of hearing about Jesus, it would like to connect to God was like kind of like helped me stay a little more stable. I don't know. I don't know how important it is on my journey. I believe in God and I believe that God like is good and gentle, but also like there are very hard things about God to me. Yeah. But how important is it on my journey? I don't know how to answer that. Hmm. Important. Is it not important enough that you would just be like, like you could easily be like, I don't need this like tomorrow and be like, I'm done with it. Uh, Not easily, but what I'm, I'm not, I think if, if for some reason I like, was like I don't think that God is real. Uh, mm, I was gonna say that like I could still go on with my journey. It would be very difficult, and I think maybe there's truth to that. Like I think you can be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I think. I think that it's important to me, but I just I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. Can we come back to that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. For my my immediate response was not like it's super important to me. My response was like I believe it, but I think that if something happened that made it crumble, I don't think that my whole house would crumble. Yeah, is where I'm at. Yeah. Um, this doesn't fit in here well, but I'm going to tell you this. Okay. So, um, I was just this is harkening back to your analogy of deconstruction being the emptying the house thing. Yeah. So I was just uh, with Annie's family, my wife's family in Hannibal, and they got new flooring in their house and they had to take everything out. Mm. And they were like, This is the first time ever that we've had the ability to decide what we want back in here. And like and immediately as they're having this conversation, I was like, that's like exactly like what deconstruction is like. Mm. And I was like, We like I think we think about that stuff and we've used this analogy for, but it's, you probably had those moments, right? Where you like see something in real time and then it becomes way more like crystallized and vivid. And I was thinking about like, what was like the armoire of like your faith that was like, like, I liked this and it was really cool and it was really valuable. But then when it went to storage, I was like, I don't really need that. Right. Or it's like you moved everything out and you're like, we have this massive space to bring something I've always wanted in here. Mm. Um, It was just interesting. Like I, we've used that analogy a ton and it was the first time I had been in someone's space that they, for eight weeks because they put new flooring and had to move everything out. Yeah. And they had been there for decades and they're like, what are we going to put back in? I just had an interesting conversation to think about because that's what faith deconstruction is like. I think that's actually really helpful that you said that because I think for me, it's kind of one of those, like, it's hard to say like, okay, what would life be like without this flooring if you're just like used to it? And for me, like, I don't know. I've never really like it. I don't know. I'm just like, yeah, this flooring is great. But I'm also willing to acknowledge that sometimes things leave your house on it when you don't expect them to. So I think that's why I like hold things more loosely. Mm. Yeah, especially in a season of your life where it feels like stuff is coming in and out from a like beliefs standpoint yeah. at a higher rate than it ever has, probably. Yeah, and not it's not all out. Like it's like it's 
I think for a while you were what like this podcast was watching me just like shove a bunch of things out and like almost like moving out but now it's like the process is becoming more of like moving in or inhabiting almost like a new space it feels like and so I think it's just like yeah I put the flooring down if the flooring is like god and I'm like yeah I love this flooring and I don't have any like need to change it but I've also just learned that your house is not always as like permanent as you think I think that's why I struggle to say it's like super important. Yeah. Does that make sense? Maybe. Yeah, it makes sense. I'd also say if we were being honest, like like you probably shoved a lot of random things into the house that you're like, I just want to put this thing in because it looks cool. Yeah. Or I want to like check it out. And then it didn't last very long. Yeah. And then things that like you probably brought in that seemed really non-consequential that like have stood the test of time and have stayed. Mm. Right. And so I think Mm. that's an interesting part of it too, is like when all the walls are empty and the floors are barren, it's like you have a lot more ability to vision cast for what you're reconstructing and building and putting on the walls and all that when at least for me personally like in an actual like non-faith related way like like if i was looking at this room we're in like i have no vision to look at something that's covered in things right but i have a lot of vision for a blank slate um, right and so i think like that's a, just an interesting thing to think about as we put that lens over our faith like i think the same thing happens like we can't have a vision for inclusive theology if we're living in a room that's surrounded by exclusive theology right it's harder to see that because everything around you is on the walls and points to how that shouldn't exist and a lot of it has to come off before you can even imagine that and that's just like one example of like a deconstruction type thing but but i mean i also think like it's it sounds like such a big thing but it's a hard thing like i remember when we talked to rabbi josh stanton and he said like and I saw a TikTok of this another like Jewish woman talking about this, but he was like, a lot of Jewish people like are still very religious and committed to their faith, but aren't really sure if God is real because of like the horrors they experienced. Yeah. And like it's sometimes hard to really sit with God when you're like going through some shit. Not that I'm, my life is anything like the Holocaust. Like that's not what I'm trying to say. But like I remember hearing that and being like, this is still like a very devoutly religious person who cares deeply about like what he believes about the world Mm -hmm. and holds the existence of God pretty loosely. And I just remember finding that pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the need for certainty and like, um, like having all your ducks in a row, so to speak, like wasn't there for like, I was one of the things I still remember from our conversation. Like Josh and I are friends outside of the podcast. And so it's like, we talk from time to time. He's actually doing my brother's wedding, which is cool. Um, but uh like i remember him saying that and like resonating in a deep way and again like the things that him and his friends and family members and and whatnot have had to like atrocity wise go through nothing in comparison or my things are nothing in comparison to those right but it does give a really interesting lens to like how we how much the importance the existence of god is to our faith in god which is an interesting that's kind of where i'm at yeah I don't, I don't know. I feel yeah. like I really shocked you by saying, like, I'm not sure how important it is, but. No, uh, you didn't shock me. I just think it's more important than you give it credit for. And that's more what I was interested I think in. I think there's probably truth to that. I think I'm just at a place where it's very important to me right now, but I'm willing to hold it a yeah. little more loosely. Maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. My suspicion was I just thought you didn't want to, like, put your flag down on this for the sake that, like, what if X, Y, or Z thing happens? Mm-hmm. And you were trying to dance around it because you didn't want to put your flag down on it. That was what I felt, but I don't know that to be true that's not how it feels but maybe i don't know i don't know i don't know maybe that is true yeah i don't know okay what's our next one um how to teach the faith to kids without trauma so what i'm assuming that means is like we've talked a lot about how like your upbringing can really like mess with you about like okay well i thought that 
I heard this, even though they were saying this. So, like, you have kids and you are teaching them the faith, I'm assuming. And, like, what does it look like for you to try to do that and not, like, give them religious trauma along the way? That's a good question. Like, someone asked me uh, at the well about, like, how do you tell the importance of Easter without, like, diving deep into the fact that there's this dude getting murdered on a cross? Like, how do you tell the importance Mm. of a crucifixion, which is brutal and graphic and all that, to a seven-year-old? Or I think their kid might have been three in this, like, which is even harder, right? Because it's like those concepts aren't even, like, rattling around in there. Um, And my kids have asked a lot of questions, like, well, why did Jesus have to die on the cross and all that kind of stuff? Um, And I don't have a great answer for it. Like, I try to... um, ask them a lot of questions like help them Mm kind of like curate an answer with me based on like where they currently are like intellectually like rather than me just being like it's not helpful for me like well there was sin in the world and so god sent his son to die for it like that they're like well what is sin and why do they have to die like yeah so i would rather ask them questions than to try to like give them a really clear-cut answer Mm. um Mm. So I think that's part of it. I also know like I'm in a a blended family where it's like not every, not each of our households have a little bit of different thoughts on certain things religiously, morally, ethically, all those sorts of things. And so my kids also like are going, two of my three kids are going back and forth between a house where they're getting differing things put to them. And there's a lot of like overlap. So it's not like they're going to a place that's like sacrificing babies or something, (laughs) but it's like, uh, but we have different like religious ideas and different um guiding principles and whatnot and so like one thing that i try to encourage my kids is to think for themselves and to Mm -hmm. navigate things and like try like we so when i give my kids dinner like i want you to take a no thank you bite like i want you to try this and if you don't like it say no thank you but you can't tell you you don't like it until you've tried it Mm -hmm. and i kind of have the same thought like religiously and philosophically Mm -hmm. like i want you to try it and if that means, like, they want to try every other – like, I'm not going to stop them from checking out other faiths and traditions and all those sorts of things. And, like um, – and the Methodist church isn't maybe the same way as the PCA is. But, like, if they're not – they, like, decide to not be United Methodist, like, that doesn't bother me one bit. Right. Like, um, I would love them to be Christians because I think it's really important to me. And I think that it has a lot of value to speak into your life and a guiding um, – principle and a really great story of life hope and resurrection that's all woven through that Mm. um but i don't need them to be a part of my specific vein of what that looks Mm. like um and i find like to the trauma question like if i'm gonna just like suffocate you with my beliefs that's where the trauma comes in it's not Mm. like it's not necessarily about like really graphic concepts like heaven hell the crucifixion it's like for me it comes down to like how are you sharing those concepts and how much autonomy are you really giving them like the reason that there's a pastor's kid trope and that they all go crazy is because they're not given freedom to think for themselves. Uh, this is actually an overgeneralization, but my my yeah my guess and observation would be because they're not given a lot of like autonomy and they're not trusted and they're not thought as intellectually like mm. smart enough to be able. So I'm going to tell them everything, and if they get out of line, then they're going to be chastised for that. So I don't know. Like it's a interesting question as a father of a nine, seven, and two and a half year old because there's the we're going to see the proof in the pudding down the years, right? Yeah. Um, and so when we, 25 years into the deconstruction, when my kids are guests on it, <laughs> and we can talk to them and be like, how much trauma did you have? Right. So it'll be interesting to think. But um, that's at least my initial two cents on it. I mean, I think those are, like, really good philosophies. I I think the idea of, like, asking kids questions gives them that agency that a lot of people don't feel growing up in religious spaces. 
which I just think is, and also just makes you like think for yourself, which is just an important skill and yeah. not just to blindly accept things. Yeah. Um, but I remember I, uh, I, the lady that I student taught for, she's like pretty, um, agnostic and her husband is like pretty atheist. Like he's like, religion is wrong. Like we're not teaching our kids that there's any God. And she's more, and she said this, she was like, I actually would probably disagree with my husband on that because she was like, I believe in religious literacy, which is saying like, I want to equip my children to see like all of the different options and be able to navigate them well. And then they can make an informed decision. And she was like, and this was interesting. This was super interesting because she was, she's like a very progressive agnostic. And she was like, it would be pretty hard for me if my kids became like diehard conservative Christians. And she was like, but that would be a challenge for me to like practice what I preach and being like, they disagree with me. And she's like, and I hope that I instill them like the values that are important to me. But at the end of the day, if I'm really going to equip them to make a choice, they might make a choice that I don't like. And I have to trust like my own parenting that I've done enough. Yeah. I think that's like so true to all like in, I'll have the same tension and the same struggle. It's like, how much do I really hold that value? Mm-hmm. Um, and cause like we want like our parents wanted intellectually like bright children and would have, I don't know very many that would be like, I don't want to provide you the opportunity to like explore and figure these things out. Mm. Um, though they may not want you to land somewhere else, but like, I really want my kids as much as I care about this to land where they land because they care about it. 100%. And if they are doing it because they think they have to, that doesn't feel genuine to me because yeah. it's not. And so, um, that's really interesting. And I would actually really side with her in that, like, mm-hmm. um, because I do think the far extreme of either being like, atheists like I don't think religion matters I think that's like so I'm not going to expose in any I think religious literacy is really important yeah um and so I think to I think that's too far to the extreme but the other one to be like we're the only right one and so I'm also going to avoid religious literacy and I'm only going to teach you my certain beliefs is also wrong um and I remember like I used to take debate classes because I and I would always debate topics that were different than mine because Mm -hmm. I was taught very early on you can't know what you believe unless you know what other people believe and you'll know more strongly what you believe if you know what other people believe. And like, but also like I've been converted in beliefs of like debating something and be like, I'm debating this to like learn more about it. I'm like, I think they might be right. Like, and I've switched teams mm. and I didn't feel any shame for that. I'm like, I think that was just a more compelling argument. Right. And like, I want my kids to have that same level of like navigating the ins and outs of things and being not holding things super tightly. Like you said earlier, like holding it kind of loosely and if they have something that feels better in their hands and it fits, like, I'm going to cling on to this thing. Um, I'm so with you. One thing that I was seeing about maybe a difference is, like, with her, she's like, I can, like, trust my parenting. And I think if you have a faith in God, there is a little bit more of, like, okay, it's not all up to me. And, like, God, I can trust that the Holy Spirit or God is also, like, guiding them to a place mm-hmm. that's, like, best for them. But I – which is that maybe a little more comforting than just, like, here's religious literacy. But – I just, I know I talk about this book all the time, but just like, it's freaking Life of Pi, where this kid, he's like, I see, I'm like, Hinduism is compelling, Islam is compelling, and Christianity is compelling. And then they're like, and his parents come to him and go, you have to choose one. No one is allowed to have three. And he looks at them and he goes, I'm just trying to love God. And I just think that's such a powerful image of like this kid finding religious literacy on his own. And really, and like talks about the, like meeting the different aspects of religion that compelled him and being like, I'm doing my best to love God. And it's like, 
I don't have children, but if there's anything that I could want for my children, it would be just like that they are trying their best to like find the story that helps them navigate life and like love God, you yeah. know, whatever that looks like for them. Yeah. And I think an interesting thing in this is like navigating the tension you feel like if I believe this to be true, mm. how do I cr- give you that ability? Like, how do I give my children that ability? to like have that autonomy right well i think something is true but also like being like i want you to find it and if you don't i think that's where people find the tension mm, right the mm. friction it's like well i think this is true i kind of just tr- assumed i said all those things i thought you'd land where i was and now like i have to navigate what to do when you don't and i think that's where the rubber meets the road in it and it gets really really hard for people is because that's like a really beautiful sentiment like i'm just trying to find god and i think all of the god like it's all true or right. whatever pi says in this is that his name yeah um but we in a book as we read that everyone gets the feels about that like that's so dope but like i know a lot of christian parents would be like in real life their kids said i'd be like you're crazy like yeah the right one because i don't want you to burn in hell and i think the implication what we believe the implications of right belief and wrong belief are um we talked about this I don't think in the last episode off camera, like, I think everyone is indoctrinating their kids, whether they believe they are or not. Um, I sent you, did we talk about this tweet in the last episode? We didn't. So I sent you a tweet of like these kids being prayed over. Like they're probably like my son's age and a little older. So like nine to 13 and they're like all speaking in tongues. And, and the crying. tweet said, and crying. And the tweet says, this is what indoctrination looks like. I think that's probably true. Also a bunch of really conservative kids at a young Republicans thing, or a bunch of really progressive kids at a young Democrats thing is indoctrination 100 and the democrat ones would be like this is just me teaching them right belief and so would the conservatives and we get way too sensitive about it with christianity and with, yeah. but we wouldn't do it in other places and so i think that's ultimately at the core of it too is like how do we navigate our tolerance for someone believing something that we don't believe to be true mm. and that's harder to do when it's your kids um I don't talk about my parents a lot on this podcast, but I would say that's something my parents actually did really, really well, Mm. is they gave me a lot of, like, intellectual autonomy to Mm. land wherever I landed. Like, they kind of were interested in faith at certain parts. I remember my mom, like, aggressively prayed over me to receive the gift of tongues one time, uh, and that was, like, the only bad religious experience I had with my parents. But, like, other than that, like, my parents are kind of like, and even in that, they're like, well, this probably isn't your thing. So it's like, and wow. they were just cool with it, right? Yeah. Um, and I say, it makes it sound way more. My mom just had a really Pentecostal friend, and she got kind of into it. And she's like, this might be your thing, and it's yeah. totally my thing. <laughs> um, but I think, like, what is our tolerance for our family members, kids, whatever, to mm-hmm. believe something else is true that we're not looking at? Um, and yeah. how do we navigate that? Like, I truly believe this box is in front of me. And how would we have a conversation if you were so fervent that it wasn't? And I'm looking at it. And I can see it. And it feels really real to me. And I can't be in your shoes. I assume it's there because mm-hmm. I see it. But I have no idea if you see it or not. And so how do I have that conversation with you? Yeah. This is something that I'm thinking that's, like, a little bit – it's obviously different. And I totally understand that having students is not the same as having kids. But when – I know when I'm saying something, if I'm like expressing an idea about a book or something to my students, I love when they disagree with me because I know they're actually engaging in the content. Yeah. They are, they clearly do not care if they're just like, yeah, miss out, whatever. You know, like I get the most excited when they disagree because I believe that they're actually really listening to me and actually really engaging what I'm saying and wrestling with it. Yeah. And like just similarly a little bit, I, what you're saying about like wanting it to be your kid's own thing. 
I was talking to my dad not that long ago, and he just said he was like Emily. I would just I would love it if you 100% saw things how I did. He was like, but also, it would do literally nothing for me to try to force you to agree with me. Yeah. He's like, I believe what I believe, and I believe that you'll get there on your own. Um, and that is like all I can hope for you. But mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything for me to try to convince you or force you because that's not the journey you're on. And that meant so much to me. Mm. I did. That's actually that's great parenting. It was beautiful. Mr. Zell knocked it out of the park. Knocked it out of the park. And I would agree with that sentiment. It meant actually. a lot to me. And because it, it wouldn't do anything for me to be like, hey, Knox, you have to believe this. Like, that's just like not con- interesting. But you can own the fact that you would love for Knox to see things the way you see things. Yeah. If he got there on his own. Yeah. Right. Hmm. I thought that was great. I think that's really good. Okay, so we promised people three. Yeah, We've do just we have time two. for one more? Let's do one more. Okay. Unless you're going to read it to me, and I'm going to give you the thumbs up and the thumbs down on if I think we can tackle it quickly. Oh, quickly? <laughs> Say it, read this it one's kind of This one just says regrets and deconstruction, Ooh, which yeah. I think is whoa. I think we can do this one quickly. Okay, let's well, do like, it. Not like, like flippantly, but I think. Yeah, yeah. But let's start with you on this one. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Um, we can start with me. I just like you're much more, more like in it. So I'll I'll start with me while you think. Yeah, about I need this. to think a little bit. So like, I again, I don't have a lot of regrets in deconstruction. Yeah. But I would say like one thing that I don't love about the space that I occupy within deconstruction is. Um, I think there's more certainty and I believe in more certainty than people think that I do. Mm-hmm. And so like I, there might be a, a caricature of me a point p- painted that I don't think accurately represents all of the internal beliefs that I hold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say I am not to toot my horn, but I'm good at hopefully good at creating space for others that don't want to hold that. And so mm-hmm. because I don't need you to be certain people assume that I may not have a lot of like strongly held beliefs. I have a lot of really strongly held beliefs and I would say, looking back retrospectively, there are times I wish I shared those convictions with more fervor. Mm. I've never regretted not sharing, but there are times I wish I shared more and was more blunt or more just like I, as I said earlier, like put my flag down stronger somewhere because I think um, as negative as a term as this is and someone's going to watch this be like, I can't believe Danny used this word, but I think it's a better witness in some ways to be able to put your flag down and stand for something than for nothing and there's been at the course of this journey sometimes i've been like well maybe i'll just uh, i'll like won't stand for anything in this so that other people can have space and i really do think in some ways that was the right decision yeah. but there are times i'm like it has painted me in a light that maybe thinks i don't believe certain things mm-hmm. or stand for certain things or things like that so um it's a little more vague but like, I think it's just really interesting. Like, my job oftentimes I feel like in deconstruction, because I'm committed to the system and I deeply and truly believe in what I believe in. Like, I've done my versions of deconstructing and I'm pretty solid where I'm at. Yeah. And so I find my place now doing what I wish other pastors would have done for me maybe and for others that are currently just creating space for other people. Mm, I dig that. Hmm. I think that's cool. But yeah. I get why that would be, like, hard to yeah. not always feel like you create space for everyone else except for yourself. Yeah, if I'm going to, like, do my own world's smallest violin and be sad, Danny, for a little bit, I feel like my life is oftentimes creating a lot of space for other people. And the challenge as a pastor is finding people to help create that space for you. And it's just hard to find. Like, it's hard to find. I 
yeah again it's not the same but my mentor said that about my classroom he said he said you make space for every single voice in your classroom except for yourself and I was like and he was like why do you not deserve the dignity that you fight really hard to give to your students and I was like all right Connor (laughs) I was like shut up (laughs) yeah but that's real no I feel that like at a spiritual level Mm -hmm. and I I would agree with Connor good word Connor (laughs) um okay I I think again I'm like too into it to be able to like super Mm. retrospectively look back um but I think (sighs) this was this is what came to my mind I'm just going to be real Mm -hmm. um I'm very glad that we have this podcast and I don't regret doing this podcast at all but there are parts of me that regrets being so open about my deconstruction. Yeah. And, and I like, we already talked about this a little bit, but like, and it's so, I feel so mixed about this because in some ways I remember when I wasn't open about it to like anyone. And that was so lonely and so dark. And I felt like no one understood me. Um, But I think that, that I kind of shot to the other extreme and was like, let's make a podcast about it. And I have felt so not alone and I know I've made other people feel less alone and that is worth all of it. But they're like a hundred percent. I please don't hear me say I regret doing this podcast, but I think that there, I wonder how my journey would have looked different if I had instead like found safe people for a while to do that with and not like opened myself up for so much criticism, maybe as early as I did. Yeah. Does that, is that fair to say? No, I think it's really, I think okay. about that sometimes, like looking back, it's like, was as a pastor, was that the wisest thing to do to like bring someone else into this? Like for, for your, for only for you, you know what I mean? Like, I think the content's been really interesting and it's been really cool to build this community, but like that's retrospectively thinking back. It's like, was it the healthiest thing for you? And I do think like, I think it's worked out and it has been, and yes. I don't live, I very strongly don't live in the what if world. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's no I have no interest in like wasting energy on what could have been, but I think it's really interesting for you to think about. Cause like, w- look at where we're at on this exact day. Where would you be? Would you be not religious at all? Would you be like still a part of the tribe you were a part of? Would you be way more religious? Like, where would you be in all of this? I think is an interesting question. Would it be exactly the same? Would you have had some of the things that you've lost? Would you have lost more or less? Like, all of that's really interesting to consider. All of it. And maybe it would be exactly the same, but um, I would just, like, have a little more privacy. But I also do think that, like, this – when I was kind of in my very, like, more atheist era, Mm -hmm. um, I remember we were at a party and you were like, my fear for you is that, like, you're surrounding yourself by people you agree with and, like, not being challenged. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I basically am, except for this podcast where, like, I was continually challenged and grown. And, like, in that sense, like, I'm so – I really am so thankful for this podcast and I'm so proud of what we've created. But it it is a little bit, like – I don't I don't love the word regret. I'm with you. I just don't feel like it's usually helpful to sit in regret. I think it's a fascinating question. But I think that – I think I would say, like, if I had been more private – would that have like would I have be have been able to like gain more confidence or something? I don't know. It's just it is hard to know that people are talking about me and people say things to my face. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you take out the relational, all that stuff, it's like all of that, like why would you have regretted it? Like what would be the better outcome? Like yeah. that's what I consider. Um 
and I because I do think you did an exceedingly good job like navigating the criticism and and surrounding yourself with differing beliefs on things and like being able to have uh, people across the board like speak into your life and like just all of it I think you've done a really really good job um, and in some ways like where I was lamenting some of like the hardships of being a pastor like I think you experience much of that Shut up! Keep it in the pod. Don't get rid of it. You were almost done. It's freaking <laughs> Keep it in the pod. Um. So, what was I saying? Oh, and I how think would it like, be that different? Well, so no, what I was saying is, like, I feel like for you, um, like some of the things I was lamenting about being a pastor and it being hard, you're experiencing all the exact same things. Like mm. this is your church and your congregation. And like, in many ways you're both receiving pastoring and something, but I think you're really like pastoring a lot of people. Like, I think I'm the pastor, you're the comedian. I think you've been the pastor to a lot of people on this. Mm. And I think that's like been really, really f- helpful for people, but the negative of that. So like, I wouldn't use regret. We both kind of agreed. Like maybe we wouldn't use that word, Yeah. but the negative, there's always impacts of everything positive and negative the negative is maybe you haven't always felt like you've got the care you've needed or like maybe you haven't always got um you've been giving a lot but maybe aren't always being able to be like invested in in that regard i don't know if that's true or not but that's Mm. like i feel like you're giving a lot and that's my observation of Mm. you through this is like what does it mean to sit and rest and just consume when every week we get together and we uh you talked really early on like we're picking the scab every week and so how does it heal Mm. when we're picking it that's an interesting thing to consider. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think all that's real, but at the, I'm going to like kind of, I'm not going to go back on what I said, but kind of play devil's advocate real quick. With is, yourself? Yeah. With myself. <laughs> um, I think that this forced me to, cause I was thinking, I was like, so what opportunity did this like not give me? Did this podcast not give me? And my answer to that would be to pretend that I was still, fundamentalist and nailing it when I was going through this journey. And I think maybe in some ways that was like a really good and necessary challenge for me. I say a lot of the things that are really hard about being public, but I'm also processing and being like, there are a lot of things hard about pretending to be someone you're not. Mm. And I was like, if I didn't have this podcast, I could hang out with like old friends and be like, yeah, I'm fully with you. But it's like, okay, but what is, so the gain in that is I don't get pushback, but the loss in that is that those people don't know me. Yeah. And I don't know. So I think it's a, I saw that question. I thought it was really fascinating and I wanted to talk about it, but I think there's always like, I think maybe the question is like the negatives and positives of things that, of decisions we've made. Things you've gained that you wouldn't have got hopping on a plane with me and Dustin and going to Ohio. So dope. University, which one of the people that attended just followed me on threads. Amazing. So How Which are I think, you doing with threads? I think it's going to die. I mean, I think it's like someone said it interesting, like social media should create like, like fill a need. They're just, it's, it's nice Twitter is what it is. And whatever you want to say, I just think it's going to die. I, I think that we've said that about everything Instagram's done and it's continued to knock it out of the park. Hear me out on this. Did I already talk about this on the pod? Nope. No. They made stories and we said that's for Snapchat. And then now what do we love? Instagram stories. They made reels. And we were like, that's for TikTok. We love reels. Now they made threads. And we were like, that's for Twitter. I feel like we're going to end up loving threads. I think it'll stick around. I just don't think it's going to be as cutting edge as people think. Also a great follow that's like cringy. Go follow Dane Cook. He's pretty funny. Okay. Like cringy funny. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's read his uh day two check-in thread it's really it's it's bad i love it um okay okay so let's wind this down wind it down with a little trip to a place i like to call the recommendation station Le- we never called it that. That was so cute. Have we not? Oh, we called, we the, called recommendation. the recommendation zone. Okay. But the recommendation station is so cute. We're yeah. calling it that. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, I would recommend trying hard things. I Ooh. rode a jet ski or a sea dew. Uh, is that jet ski? Is what it's called? Like yeah, uh, sure. Like sea dew. Yeah, um, yeah. And I got on it and I was terrified. It mm-hmm. was like I wouldn't go above thirteen miles an hour. This thing goes up to like sixty. And I'm on it and like I'm driving and then Annie's on like behind me and I'm like, you just drive. Like I'm not into this. Yeah. And I essentially just got stuck on this thing because no one else wanted to ride it. And Mm. so I'm like driving my kids around and like they're kind of scared on it. And I'm like, they didn't want to go over and I'm like, we're just going to try. And then we got up to like 25 and then we get off and get the next one. I was like, hey, Joe went to 25. We should try to go to 35 and kind of like convincing myself to go faster. And we got like all I got all the kids to go like we like maxed out. We're hit like 60 on this thing. Cruise it down. Maybe bad parenting. But I was like at the end of it, I was like, you know what? Like I have a I'm a huge I like to adventure, but I'm also cautious. Mm-hmm. And for me, it like takes me a hard, like a while to build up to things. And like I think trying hard things I would recommend. I think I would I give that. yourself time to build up to it and not be like I have to go mm. 60 miles an hour the first time I do it. Like we're cautious for a reason. Um and just try things. Like, I, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun at the river. Um, I love that. And I would have never thought I would do that because I kind of hate the water. I'm pretty close to being terrified of open water. Mm. Um, and it was, a like, a very fun experience doing something I never would have thought I would do that was riddled in a lot of my fears. I think that's awesome. And I think, like, I was just listening to a podcast where they were saying in adulthood we often avoid things we're bad at yeah. because we have a little more autonomy. Where as a kid, it's like you're going to ride this bike and you, like, have to do it. Yeah. So I think that that's really beautiful. Yeah, and I had the option. I told everyone I was going to stay at the house and I was going to work. I, like, wasn't going to go out because mm-hmm. I had work I was going to do. I was like, you know what? Like, I got to, like, be on present on vacation. Like, I can work every day of my life and I can die and yeah. then not have spent time with my kids. And it's like, I'm going to go out and do this. But I was kind of a curmudgeon, and I got shoved in this stupid thing. And I'm like, and then at the end of it, I'm like, I spent like four hours on this thing while everyone else is in the boat, like jet skiing or uh, water skiing, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Too. So it was fun. Um, the picture you posted on Instagram of Gracie going, yeah, is just absolutely fantastic. It was pretty. What we were, were you guys Peek-a-Boo. talking about? We were playing peekaboo, and so it's Amazing. mid me getting ready to go here, and her, she had just pulled off. Her but she looks like. Danny, listen up, yeah. is, is the face. It was very fantastic. much like a I caught a fish this big moment. Yeah, like, it was yeah. really cute. Yeah, um, my recommendation, I like just started this, but I'm getting pretty into it. I've heard a lot. A lot of people have recommended it to me. Um, Bojack Horseman. Oh, yeah. Have you watched it? Like when I, It wasn't my thing. But uh, people, I didn't know they were still making episodes. Or is it? I, maybe. So, Isn't that a Daniel Tosh show? I think he's like. Couldn't tell you. I think it's his thing. Um, people said the first few episodes like suck and then it gets good. And I'm glad someone said that to me because the first episode I was like, all right. Yeah. I felt the same way about Parks and Rec, actually. Oh, wow. Um, wow. But I'm I'm about I'm only in like episode eight of BoJack Horseman. So I'm very early still. But like mm. I'm just really digging it. And I've told a lot of people that like I love Big Mouth because I think it's like a funny animated show that I think is really deep. And they were like, if you think Big Mouth is deep, like you need to watch BoJack Horseman mm. because it's a little more like explicitly deep. And I think that that's true. Interesting. So I'm digging it so far. Yeah. Have you seen Tusk? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have seen it and I could never unsee it. Also, the fact that Justin Long stars in that movie. Like, so that's who it is. I was trying to remember. The guy what in the world? Accepted, right? He's the, isn't he the walrus, right? Yeah, his name's Wallace. Uh, kind of sad. 
Um, anyway, we don't have to go into that. But I'm just like, what an interesting role that he was like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, maybe we'll I'll watch it and we'll end every episode for the next year talking a little bit about Tusk. I don't know if I can recommend that. I, I can't. Don't say I made you do it uh, if you watch it. Yeah. But I, it was less gruesome than I expected upon hearing the description. That's all I'm going to say. Very <laughs> gruesome, though. Okay. We're going to be done talking about Tusk. Um, great talking to you. Um, yeah, we're all going to have fun on vacation, which will already be done when this comes out. But yeah. yeah, we're about to take, I think in a while, like our first real chunk of like us kind of going our separate ways for a little bit. Which they will not notice, yeah. but um, it's, yeah. it's an fun us to us. It's an us not thing. Not everything's about them. <laughs> Some right. things can be about us. <laughs> it's an us thing you wouldn't understand. Yeah, the two people, three people that are weekly making a podcast. <laughs> Um, all right, everybody. As always, thanks for listening. Always feel free to send in your questions. We love to talk about them and embrace the journey. <laughs>